Dr. Ben Hurst, thank you so much for joining us, the founder of Hot Doc. It's such a great pleasure to have you on Build It Thou Come. Great to speak to you. You've been building your business over the last decade, but many of us have used Hot Doc. So paint us a picture of what Hot Doc is. Sure. Well, we've come a little ways since the founding 10 years ago. Back then, what we were was simply a way for patients to make a booking online 24 hours a day. And we used to think about, imagine being that parent who had a young child who was a bit unwell and they either had to think about going to the emergency department or booking with their GP. And we wanted to make that that specific experience much more streamlined and give people peace of mind. Since that happened and since we've built online bookings, we've sort of come quite a way. And now we consider ourselves more of a patient engagement platform. And that basically means we help medical centers communicate more effectively with patients, whether that be bookings, recalls, reminders, checking in, all that kind of stuff that can help patients have a better experience with their, with their medical center. So you, in fact, provide this incredibly good streamlined service. I imagine it's streamlined, although you've no doubt had your issues over the 10 years, but for medical practitioners and clinics, but it's also this amazing service for patients. Yeah, exactly. So our main customers are GP medical centers across the country. We are getting close to having 20,000 GPs use our service and our patients are, they're the ones that use it. So they can go on hotdoc.com.au, they can go through a medical center's website, they can download our app and hopefully make a convenient booking with a local medical center. I mean, you've essentially been a startup, you know, 10 years isn't that long, but you've also no doubt had this extraordinary experience of sudden ramping up and really having to increase your capacity, increase your offerings and services Mm. to patients in a major way due to the COVID pandemic. So let's jump forward. We'll go back to the past in a little while, but let's jump forward to the point when COVID really hit in early 2020. How did it impact your business? It was crazy. I think like a lot of businesses, we just saw this incredible disruption to the way that services could now be delivered to to customers. When you say incredible disruption, did you see it in February, March 2020? Did you see it as, oh my God, we're going to be ruined? Or did you think this is a major opportunity or it could be? I think more to the to the latter, but I also thought, wow, we're going to have to build some stuff really, really quick to support medical centers. I remember being on a phone call with one of our customers who runs, I think, three medical centers, and he talked very quickly about the importance of having some sort of telehealth solution to both protect doctors as well as patients and still manage some sort of delivery of healthcare through an appointment. And it, it tweaked. I thought, wow, this this is something that's going to have to be implemented really, really quickly. And this is before Medicare even brought about their Medicare subsidy. So telehealth was really the first opportunity that you thought, oh, this is going to become a big thing. Absolutely. And there were two major opportunities for HotDoc in 2020. The first was ensuring that we could have a really good, seamless workflow for patients who wanted to book a telehealth appointment and then be on a phone or a video call with the doctor. So that was the first thing. And then there was a time, I don't know the exact date in March, where we got a call from a representative of the Australian government who was wanting to implement respiratory clinics for all the testing hubs. And they wanted a digital solution that was going to 
meet the requirements and the infectious disease protocols for making a booking and turning up for some kind of medical result. And they wanted it to be done in three to four days. What? Yeah, yeah. And, and it was over the weekend as well. Crazy. Yeah. And over the weekend. Oh, okay. So what you're talking about is you were chosen to partner with the federal government to do the online booking platform for the respiratory clinics that they were setting up, various hubs around the country for testing at that stage, obviously. Exactly right. Thankfully, I'm non-technical. So while I was aware of these phone calls that were happening, my poor founder, Tom, was the one who had to actually think about what actually needed to be built, talk to his team and see if we were capable of making that happen within a three to four day coding binge spree. Thankfully, because we have an amazing team, they, they made it happen. And over the sort of next couple of weeks, we managed to start onboarding all the respiratory clinics around Australia. And now we have over 150 of those respiratory clinics that both use HotDoc for the, the testing as well as vaccinations. Give us a bit of an idea of the complexity of the technology that you must have had to employ in that three or four days, what, 72 hours that the government needed and wanted to get this up and running. The biggest or the most important thing is building technology that is usable by patients. It's very easy to have buttons that go to different places, but what's difficult is to create some sort of intuitive workflow that patients can just use and get it. And not just, you know, the 24-year-old tech-savvy individuals, but everyone. And so to be able to like step through that workflow and then have a cloud diary that we honestly had never done before that could be used in the respiratory clinics and accept those bookings and ensure that once a booking was was approved, it, that it was there for good. It was just a very big undertaking. So we were kind of able to piggyback on some of the stuff we'd already built, but all those sort of different user experience workflows, there's a lot of work that we had to do very quickly. Oh, look, so what you're really saying is I guess, I guess you needed a nationwide search functionality. You needed the appointment scheduling functionality. Yes. You needed to do it in a doctor's or a clinic's environment and you needed to do it super speedily. Yeah. And the, the cloud diary, that was something that we had never done before. So all the, the other, the search capability, the booking user experience, those were things that we could adapt, but we did not have any kind of cloud diary. And that was something that we just had to roll out in, in days. And that's all separate from dealing with the uh, federal bureaucracy and the public service <laughs> and the Department of Health, who were obviously, you know, there to back you up, hopefully. Mm. They were actually amazing. The, I think the outset of COVID, it, it changed how I think government agencies worked and they realised things had to happen fast. And we were lucky enough to work with some exceptional individuals who gave us really clear scoping, uh, were very supportive through us. And once we actually implemented on time, they made many promises of beers to come, which probably haven't been yet fulfilled, but uh, it was a really good team effort. Dr. Hurst, from a patient point of view, how crazy did those bookings become? How used was Hot Dog, particularly in that uh, sort of scramble to get testing through respiratory clinics, et cetera? The easiest way to illustrate that is in 2019, our average number of appointments per month was about 1 million. Which is still awesome. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. It is quite a few. In 2020, it was over 2 million. So we experienced a doubling just in that 12-month period, which... Yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of extra server load, 
and demand that we had to cater for and our support requirements to make sure that all our medical centers were, were given the care that they needed to, to set up in different ways, especially this is even getting into the vaccine territory. It added sort of 40 to 50% of a sort of customer service requirements to our business. Wow. And how did your systems handle the influx of people, of patients? As far as I know, we never went down. Don't take that as gospel, but I think the team didn't, like we've got a really good DevOps team and they worked very hard to make sure that we we maintained that capacity. And yeah, I think we did, we did a pretty good job, maybe a little bit better job than some of the state hubs, not to put any needles in, but that was something that was really important to us because if patients can't trust that they're going to have a, a reliable place to go when booking a test, booking a telehealth appointment, booking a vaccine, then that can that can undermine the whole system. So, yeah, we really put a lot of effort into making that work. So that was early 2020 and through 2020. Then last year, 2021, you grew to become instrumental to help with the vaccination bookings in throughout 2021. How did you make that work? Was it just uh, tweaking slightly the system that you'd quickly developed in 2020? I'd say it was more than a tweak, but it was it was somewhere between a tweak and a and a and a build. A major uh, overhaul. Yeah, yeah, like something that's even stretching it. But it was it was it was a lot of work. That the challenge with vaccine appointments is, if we think about the challenge nationwide, if there were sort of say 130 plus million appointments being made, there were going to be at least. 40 extra million appointments that that could be made in the space of 12 to 18 months. And that capacity is challenging enough. But if you think of the demand on the front desk, having to deal with all those extra appointments and, and vaccines are actually more complicated appointments in many ways in that a lot of the times you need to ensure that that consent is handled before appointment, as well as all the information about what's going to happen when you arrive afterwards, when you're waiting for 15 minutes, when you can leave. And so what we needed to do was have a really good way where we could gather that consent and also communicate to the patient in a way that was easy to understand and helped them go through each step of the process without having to constantly call up the medical centers. So in a sense, people would have to register with you and then they could go on to find doctors either in their areas or doctors they liked, book it immediately. Yes. Our model has always been as much as possible to emphasize continuity of care. So if a patient of a medical center provided vaccines, we would always encourage them to go there. But there were certain instances where either a patient was looking for a new provider or their local medical clinic weren't part of the vaccination effort. So we also had a way where they could make a search uh, on our website or an app and find a convenient provider and see the appointment, which you know is the most important thing. You don't want to have to search through 100 different clinics to, to finally find a free spot. That was an important part of of the process as well. Yeah, it's interesting. And I understand that even though you missed out on winning a couple of the government tenders on the vaccine side, Hot Doc's business hugely jumped when the Prime Minister announced younger people to get vaccinated, what, around June 2021. Tell us about that. What happened? Yeah, Scott Morrison's given us a few shout outs, which uh, we're very grateful for. A lot of the state government tenders went to some of the more established players like Microsoft and the sales forces of the world, which is understandable because they are very established businesses. But I think a lot of the time they didn't understand some of the very specific complexities involved in the Australian Medicare system. So 
either way, like whilst we weren't so successful with some of those tenders, we, we managed to expand the scope of our respiratory clinic. And now they have all turned into vaccine clinics as well. And then it was just about trying our best to help those medical centers get the vax, like actually use our vaccine modules. If they just use our sort of normal online bookings, it wasn't really helping anybody because it wasn't sort of our previous bookings wasn't tailor-made for vaccines. Yeah. But tell me how young people really engaged with your booking system through HotDoc rather than going somewhere else. Yeah. So we definitely experienced probably close to 50% increased booking in bookings over 2021. We were getting huge uptake by young people. A lot of influencers online were tweeting, get vaccinated, hashtag go to hot doc. So there was definitely a groundswell of, of Australians who, who were promoting hot doc, which was really nice. You know, our business model is not predicated on trying to like push lots of bookings volumes. But what was really meaningful for the business was that we we were taking a pretty helpful role in in the overall vaccination movement. It was really exciting. It was tough though. Like things changed on a dime. Obviously, as different vaccinations were approved, they all had different types of recall timelines, delivery methods. Some Some clinics did Pfizer, others did AstraZeneca. So we constantly had to keep on top of the changing vaccinations, the different timelines, the different protocols, which was a lot of effort, but the team seemed to come together and make it all happen. How do you guarantee to patients the safety of their private medical information? It's a good question. And I think it's a question that every single patient should answer. The thing that we have always carried as a really helpful guide is our company promise, which is based on the Hippocratic Oath, which is based on do no harm, never knowingly undermine continuity of care, always show whatever study that we do and be very transparent and also maintain the confidentiality and privacy of patient details. And one of the principles we have is we never, ever try and ask for more information than we need to conduct what we're doing for the patient. So if a patient wants a repeat script, we need to know who they are. We need to know where they live. We need to know what medication they're looking for. We don't need to know what their condition history, what are their comorbidities. Those are, those are questions that are completely unnecessary. So that's the main sort of principle. And the other thing is just security. We have a team of four people who every day they wake up and imagine you know, where could there possibly be a vulnerability in hot dog. And they do their very best to ensure that there is a absolute minimal, like nothing is 100%, but there is a minimal chance for a breach. And, and so I think to, to gain the trust of patients, we have to show that we're, we can be trusted just by a good reputation in the industry, that we have the right data and privacy principles, and we have some fantastic advisors in that space as well, and that we, are, we, we really invest in, in that security. So back to this first part of 2020 when COVID really hit, were you ready? Was there pandemonium at the very beginning? Were you panicked? Were you cool, calm, collected, thinking, right, this is our launch pad in another sense to kind of catapult us to the next level? I'm trying to go back there in my head. So much has happened since. I think there was, pandemonium is not the right word. Slight panic. (laughs) Yeah, like I just there was a level of nervous excitement that big change was on its way and that because Hot Dog had such an important existing presence in GP clinics and with a large number of patients that relied on us to connect with their GP, that we would 
we would have the opportunity to play an important role. I think when the pandemonium set in was a little bit more when things happened so suddenly, when we got the call from the Department of Health, when Medicare telehealth changes happened overnight, that's where we had to really move fast. Uh, And, you know, building the kinds of technologies that, you know, other businesses would probably want to plan and scope out and, you know, implement a beta test over a 12-month period. We, We, by absolute necessity, it had to happen within days and weeks. Wow. Because I was going to say, I mean, two years ago, you were still um, only eight years old. So you're trying to, you know, ramp up this massive influx of patients and new services offered. But at the same time, you know, you're scrambling behind the scenes, but you still want to offer this great service to the end user. Exactly. It's sort of, you've got your core business and you can't just forget about that even in the midst of a pandemic. So it, it was a challenge. And I guess the, what we realized was that even though building a vaccine module was going to be a huge amount of work, would require an enormous amount of support, our customers, that they needed it. They just were not equipped to get an extra two receptionist, an extra nurse to, to do all that work. So, so we saw it as a great opportunity to build stronger relationships with, with the medical centers, knowing that at the end of the day, they were the ones there supporting the hospital system from not getting overloaded. So if we could support the medical centres and then they could support patients and the hospital system, hopefully it would get a good outcome. So Ben, Hot Doc's revenue source, do you get a percentage or a fee paid by only the medical centres, by the doctors, and, and are they large and small? The medical centres are our customer. Yeah. So our business model, we have tried to make it very much aligned with with our customers. Some of our competitors, they charge new patient fees. We believe that by having a sort of a subscription service where it doesn't matter how many of our solutions you use, it's the same fee. It means that you get the most amount of value. And also we're not incentivized in any way to try and encourage patients to sort of shop around. That's our model. We have solo practitioners in rural suburbs. We also have healthcare groups that have over a thousand doctors and everything in between. Right now, what are your markers of success? And at the height of, say, the vaccination program, which I guess is still really rolling out, what sort of uptake did you have in terms of number of customers, end users, patients? The main things that we look at as success, and honestly, Revenue is always important. Mouse to feed. You've got to, you know, got to demonstrate that you've got a sustainable model. But our two north stars are doctors, both GPs and non-GPs, and patients. What we've got up to is we've got over twenty thousand of. We've got about nineteen thousand GPs. We've got a couple of thousand of non-GPs, which is sort of an exciting area of growth for for the business. And when you say that, you mean specialists and allied health people. Specialists, allied, and dentists. Wow. We're using a lot of the traction, I guess, that we've generated in the GP space to to hopefully also provide equally valuable services outside that GP space, both for new patients to to match and and book with a really suitable provider, as well as solutions that can kind of streamline their processes. So again, that's, that's more of an early start that we sort of began about a year and a half ago, but GPs are our stock and trade. And then patients, we were getting as many as over 3 million appointments per month in 2021, um, wow. especially getting up to the peak of the vaccination movement. That's sort of dipped a little bit, but it's still very high. And that, so that's that's probably our, our second thing that we focus on. And when we think about patients, it's the number of bookings. It's the number of people who sign up to our service. It's the number of people who download our app. Yeah, The Hot Doc app 
this is a bit of a, a boast, but we, we, we got as high as number four most downloaded app in Australia for a while, taking down the likes of Instagram and TikTok. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, we, we felt pretty good. It's a bit of a vanity metric, but it was exciting at the time. Making sure that not just people are using hotdog.com.au, but, but they're able to use our app, which can have some value add services beyond just making a booking. Yeah. Ben Hurst, take me back to the beginning of HotDoc. How did your business actually begin? Because you were working as a medical practitioner in a hospital or you have worked in a hospital before you left? Yeah. So I've got a very weird uh, career background and I, I won't go through every single nook and cranny, but the job that I had before HotDoc was as a forensic psychiatry registrar in a maximum security prison which was a really fascinating job and I, I really enjoyed it. And at the time I was definitely considering that area. But I think the, the beginnings of Hot Dog can really be traced back to my mum, who's a GP, and my dad, who's in your nose and throat. And I really vividly remember sitting at the dinner table with them and listening to the challenges that my mum was having, being a great doctor, as well as trying to run a sustainable business and navigate all the nasty red tape bureaucracy that comes with doing that. So the administrative side, she just hated. Absolutely. Doctors, and this is this is a generalization, but it's it's one of the truest generalizations I know. Doctors are often great at being a doctor. They're often terrible at business. That's not what they got into medicine for. They want that stuff to sort of be handled in the background so that they can honestly be the best version of their medical self. So yeah, hot doc for me was a vehicle to help doctors like my mom and just sort of remove that side of things, just you know, make it much easier to run a medical center, more sustainable, so they could deliver more personal healthcare yeah. and, and emphasize those strong relationships with their patients. So would you actually go so far as to say the idea kind of percolated up through chat around the dinner table or was it still way into the future? That's where the fire in the belly came from. When you're an entrepreneur, you have to be so excited and obsessed about an idea. And I think when I when I traced back why was it that Hot Doc gave me such excitement, I, I really do believe that it goes back to my teenage years. Where the idea came, I was actually in a bar in New York. I was talking to a South American friend who mentioned a company called ZocDoc, which was in many ways, a New York equivalent of, of Hot Doc. And they had just raised a lot of money. They were sort of broadening their reach US-wide. And I just remember hearing for the first time just that simple nugget of an idea of a patient having access to the doctor's schedule. And my brain just kind of, it blew up. It was, it was the most exciting thing. And I honestly, I had the, the only business I'd ever done before then was selling lemons and lamingtons outside my parents' house. So I had no idea what I was doing. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you said before, you know, doctors are great doctors and great medical people, but they're mostly hopeless at business. Exactly. So what made you the exception? I was one of those people. So I think the exception is I've always been really curious. And also, while I love medicine, I really love the idea of a one-to-many approach. Uh, sometimes it can be right. limiting when the only time that you can help a patient is, is, is with that really strong and powerful one-to-one -one interaction. And so I think population health was was perhaps more exciting for me during my medical years. I was lucky enough that, that HotDoc provided a way to, to, to sort of do things on a, perhaps a, a larger scale. It's just extraordinary, really. So would it be fair to say you pinched the idea of the uh, the New York story and, you know, developed it? 
I think that's very fair to say. I mean, all the best ideas are often ones that aren't originally discovered. Often it's like you hear of a good idea and you just like you take it a bit further. Yeah. Where we did sort of venture off the course of ZocDoc was we found that bookings itself was quite a commoditizable solution. And if we could not just provide bookings, but also provide extra value across the patient journey, being recalled for a preventative health-related appointment, whether it be, say, a cholesterol check or a cervical smear, being reminded for your appointment and being able to confirm it and and for the medical center to to see that, being able to check in directly into the waiting room, seeing where you are in the queue. We we just saw that there were these small slices of opportunity to provide a better patient experience. So those things, I think we we did go our own way, but definitely the the kernel of an idea is all thanks to a, a little company called ZocDoc. Just briefly, was there a lesson that you took from being a forensic psychiatrist in a maximum security prison that you've brought with you? That is such a good question. And I, I like this is the first time I've ever actually reflected on that. I think that what I learned from the prison is that every human being is fascinating and everyone has a good story, but it can be really hard to help people it can be limiting to only focus on, say, 20 people if, if, if those, those are in the patients. So I think while I learned that you can do great things in that one-on-one environment, what at least mattered to me more was the opportunity to help other patients beyond that. It's not a great answer, I, I like it, but I think... Well, maybe it comes back to that idea you said that one-on-one help can be limiting. And I guess with some prisoners, particularly in a maximum security prison, it's often very hard to help them. It is. It is. That's that's probably, actually, that was probably it. It wasn't always a clinically enriching experience when I had to put so much effort sometimes into helping someone only to find out the next day that they'd had some very significant relapse. It was it's just, there was something very tough about that. And, I, and Doctors who are addiction specialists, etc., like you have to take your cap off. It requires this like exceptional patience and understanding to sort of to go to that effort and then not get a nice outcome. And I think maybe I was a tiny bit impatient and wanted to sort of just do something that that had a more obvious payoff with with a larger audience. And maybe more creative. So I think that's a good point to actually take a little break and we're going to come back with part two. Thanks, Dr. Ben Hurst. Thanks. Likewise. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed Build It, Thou Come. Let me know via Twitter and LinkedIn. Better still, let your family, friends and colleagues know by sharing it around your networks. And I'd love you to give it a star rating on Apple Podcasts to make it easier for others to find us. Be sure to subscribe as there are plenty of upcoming episodes you don't want to miss with more amazing innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turn their light bulb idea into an empire.